This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. What's up, what's up, what's up, and welcome to the third episode of the Bukhari Sellers Podcast. We have a great show today uh, with my brothers Vince Carter and Antoine Jamison coming on the show. Very happy to have them. We had uh, my good friend Tiffany Cross last week. Make sure you go pick up her book, which comes out today, July 6th, actually. And our first episode, of course, had Deshaun Watson and Alan Kavana. So I want to say thank you to all of you all who are subscribing. Thank you to all of you all who are uh, downloading these clips. Make sure you spread the word about the Bakari Sellers podcast. As always, we make sure that people know that this is a beautiful day. It's also a beautiful day to call the Kentucky Attorney General's office and uh, make sure that he knows that the killers of Breonna Taylor have been walking free for over 170 days. Uh, and today would be an amazing opportunity to arrest them. So, uh, you know, this past week, these last couple of days, we got an opportunity to celebrate July 4th. And I hope everyone had a very safe and healthy and prosperous holiday. But during this time, I'm always reminded and my family, we would always read growing up, we would read the words of Frederick Douglass. Um, we would read the words of Frederick Douglass on this holiday. He had one of the more masterful speeches ever given on this holiday. And I'm going to read an excerpt from uh, What to Be a Slave is the Fourth of July, uh, Frederick Douglass's speech in 1852. Frederick Douglass said, What to the American slave is your Fourth of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty and unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciations of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy a thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of these United States at this very hour. That's a powerful speech that he gave. I encourage all of you all to go and read What to the Slave is the 4th of July by Frederick Douglass, given on the 4th of July in 1852 as we get some perspective. And the president of the United States, the 45th president of the United States, he gave two speeches this past weekend. One was in front of Mount Rushmore, and I will dig more into that uh, this Thursday in our Thursday episode when we have Jason Johnson coming on the show. Jason is a magnificent writer and commentator at MSNBC. And we'll get into the fact that I, I'm not really well up on my Mount Rushmore history by any stretch. You know, we'll talk about the fact that two of those four individuals were slave owners and that the land was uh, taken from Native Americans. We'll get into all of those dynamics, but 
I'm just recalling, uh, I went back and read a few lines from uh, the 45th president of the United States speech. He said, our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Angry mobs are trying to tear down our statues of our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they are doing this, but some know exactly what they are doing. I mean, I, I listened to this speech of um, despair, I guess. It was a dystopian view. It reminded me of his speech that he gave on his inauguration. And it's amazing that you give a speech three and a half years later and it has the same tenor and tone. That should be concerning for people who elected a man for change. But even more concerning is I'm not sure that we understand how much the president of the United States is going out of his way to use his time, to use his platform, not to unite this country, but to divide it. The proverbial hill to die on should not be the Confederacy. We, we have to explain yet again that this was not a war of northern aggression. We have to explain yet again that we're having a reckoning with our country's history. And why is this reckoning important? Because people used to own people who look like me. And no, if you fought for the Confederacy, your statue should not be up. If you own slaves, then that is a fundamental problem, as Frederick Douglass stated so eloquently in his speech. So yes, I, the president's speech on in front of Mount Rushmore was just atrocious. It was not delivered well. It was not good oratory. It was written poorly. But even more importantly, when you go to the meat of his speech, it wasn't the president of the United States speaking. It was someone who was a part of us trying to add gasoline to the proverbial fire against them. And so I, I had a problem with that speech. And then he and then he, uh, he gave a speech on July 4th where they had the imitation Bruno Mars band up there. And we'll listen to a clip from that speech right now. Let me also say a word to those in the media who falsely and consistently label their opponents as racists, who condemn patriotic citizens, who offer a clear and truthful defense of American unity. That's what our people are doing. We want a clear and faithful defense of American history, and we want unity. When you level these false charges, you not only slander me, you not only slander the American people, but you slander generations of heroes who gave their lives for America. See, this speech is, is unique because in, in that clip that I played, he's mad at the media for accurately labeling him as being a racist and using racism as political currency. I've never seen someone since probably George Wallace in 1968 want to fall on the side of white supremacy and fall on the side of culture wars that are out of date. And so here we are um, with four months left, four and a half months left until the election. The president is making it extremely clear how he believes he can win re-election. And we'll see what the American people vote for. With that being said, I have one more sad Sad note that I want to uh, lay out. Um, just recently, we had a, a Black Lives Matter protester who was murdered. Um, Summer Taylor, she was 24 years old. She and her friend Diaz Love were hit by a car at a high speed during a Black Lives Matter protest on Seattle's Interstate 5. And so this episode, which is going to be an amazing episode, which I speak to Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter about so many things. Um, being black fathers, activism, et cetera. This episode, we're going to dedicate to Summer Taylor. Um, we start off every show highlighting Brianna Taylor, but I do want to lift up Summer Taylor and her family in prayers. Uh, she was an ally who gave her life fighting for justice. And now uh, I want to bring in my brothers to the third episode of the Bakari Sellers podcast, Vince Carter and Antoine Jameson. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, 
you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, gift mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. I want to welcome everybody to another episode, the third episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. This is going to be a joy, a pleasure, because we have uh, two amazing individuals. I know them extremely well, not just for what they do on the court, uh, but I know them off the court as well. Uh, we got Vince Carter and Antoine Jameson joining us today. Uh, congrats, I guess, what do, you say, what do you say to people who just retired? Is it condolences or congratulations? Or, I mean, what do you say? Uh, ha- happy retirement, man. What's going on? There you on? go. That's what it is. Happy retirement. That'll work. That'll work. I am. Uh, most people know that y'all were teammates in North Carolina. And some people know. That seems like a long time ago. And some people know. It, that no, it were, is a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> that y'all were traded for each other. How, did y'all know y'all were going to be traded for each other? He did. Yeah. He, I, I, I got didn't drafted know it. first. Right. So when I got drafted, I remember my agent telling me, he was like, I don't think you're going to be going to Toronto. I think it's a trade. Uh, that's about to happen. So I'm like, cool. And I remember, I tell Vince the story all the time. I'm getting up. I kind of knew I'm getting traded. And you know, you know, mom and dad's like, hold up, Canada. We didn't say anything about going to Canada. Like, what's going on? I'm just like, you know, calm down. We'll figure out. Just give me a hug. And I remember going up to shake David Stern's hand. And he was like, you know, it is a trade. You did get traded. And I think it might be for your buddy. And I kind of knew what was going on. So I'm doing all the interviews and stuff like that. And lo and behold, you know, it was for Vince. So it's kind of ironic meeting each other, you know, when we, you know, in high school as a, as a junior and a senior. And then all of a sudden to go through the transformation we did, getting to Carolina, uh, learning about life and basketball. And now as we took that next stage as far as fulfilling our dreams, getting traded for one another. So it's always that, you know, that togetherness, um, being teammates and not only friends, but also getting traded. He didn't even call you or text you and tell you that you were getting traded for him, did he, Vince? That man, that man knew and didn't even tell you. Yeah, I couldn't. No, nah, it was literally, it was during the draft. He, he knew during the draft. So as he's going up, he's sitting there. So I remember, like, just like, I remember he got, uh, Drafted by by Toronto. And I remember looking at him like, bro, you didn't work out for them. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right, this is weird. 
<laughs> and then then I get drafted by Golden State. So I was like, okay, you know. And uh, I remember walking, you know, it's the story that's to everybody. They laugh. I remember walking up the steps and looking to the right. Twan is trying to tell me, we you about to get we about to get traded for each other. I'm yeah. like, what? What you saying? What? I I couldn't, you know. It's like walk up the steps. Or pay attention. I was like, let me walk up these steps so I don't fall down. And, you know, look stupid in front of everyone. Yeah. And you know, obviously, it's a dream come true to to get uh, drafted, hear your name called in the lottery, and take a picture. So I'm worried about that, but still in the back of my mind, trying to figure out what is he saying? What did he just say to me? I'm like, all right, cool. And then once again, David Stearns whispers to me, he's like, yeah, there's about to be a trade. I was like, dang, somebody getting traded already. Is what I said. I literally said that, and then he announces the trade, and it was. And he announces Antoine and my, my Antoine and oh man, that's what he was saying. <laughs> so, yeah. so y'all y'all are, y'all are close. Y'all have been y'all were in the same same year coming out mm-hmm. of college, coming out of high school. Talk to me about your friendship now and what it's like just watching each other mature. And even more importantly, I mean, we'll get into some heavy stuff, but like you right now, you're raising black children in this America. It's a little mm-hmm. different. Than what we ever imagined. You see athletes speaking up. You have George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. You have all of these things that are going on right now. Talk to us about your friendship and how you guys have helped each other get this far into this point. Well, I'm gonna start here. I remember junior year when he told me, uh, I don't need what did we meet? I don't even know where this was, uh, but I remember meeting him for the first time and he was I was, oh, it had to be a in yeah, Myrtle Beach, because I was... Uh, Beach ball classic, because everybody knows get, the best exactly. the best basketball players come out of South Carolina. Continue. Never <laughs> heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but can we back up real quick? I mean, you got Raymond Felton. You got Ray Allen. You got uh, Kevin Garnett. You got Jermaine O'Neal. You got Xavier McDaniel. I mean, that five right there is competing against anybody anywhere. But how do you get the the best ever though? Like I mean, I don't. Every, I, I, y'all don't have. Don't judge. you go in some? Okay, listen. Let's, let's no, move on. Yeah, we'll move on. Because I, <laughs> I saw the, <laughs> I saw the judgment in both of you all's faces. We'll just continue. <laughs> I mean, it, you had some hey, pretty hey, good names had, on there. He had that on his notes uh, from the <laughs> for sure. Hey, show. absolutely. He said, "Oh, I'm I'm using this." <laughs> yeah, I, I had that ready. I was throwing out KG on top. Oh, so anyway, sure. so 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 we were talking about y'all coming up together and. So what most yep, and you you dug into something because you were part of the same class that had who I thought was one of the best college basketball players of all time. Ron Mercer was in your class. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh wasn't right. he, Antoine? And you were like one yep. of one, two, three in that class. And that's and you guys met at the beach ball during that time. Correct. And and and, and I was taking my visit right after beach ball. And like I said, Twan was top three coming up. I mean, I wasn't, I don't even know where I couldn't even tell you where I was ranked in freshman, sophomore year, stuff like that. And and I, I kind of hit the Nike circuit, actually five-star circuit is kind of when I kind of got on. And Coach Smith was out there obviously watching KG and some guys, and, you know, he started recruiting me there. So, and that's when I took my visit, talked to Tuan. And, you know, like like Tuan said, I I, I started to to rise up in the rankings and, uh, you know, hit the scene. Tuan, what, tell me this. Explain to me, because down here we refer to it as, as the other Carolina, whatever y'all call it, but – what is the Carolina? Whoa! <laughs> what? Hey, hey. Oh my gosh! What, that's funny. What is the Carolina way? I mean, you two played for you. You played for the greatest college basketball coach of all time. All right, there's no no question about that. And the Carolina way is something that's ingrained in all of you all. But what? T- talk. Tell people who do not know what that feels like. What is the Carolina way? And what made Dean Smith Dean Smith? Mm. The Carolina way to me is, and Vince can attest to this, we had the 100 years of, uh, of Carolina, and we had players from the 50s, the 60s, the mm-hmm. 70s, the 80s, the 90s on fourth. Even with Coach Williams and the players that have come after Coach Smith, every player knows what it's like to be uh, at Carolina practice. Every coach knows, I mean, every player knew what it was like to received that phone call, he treated everyone the same. It doesn't make a difference if your name was Michael Jordan or Corey Brown, which was our manager. Everyone was treated the same. The thought of the day, Vince, yeah. uh, the pregame meals. I mean, I can recall after I got drafted, and we used to 
guys like Rick Fox and, and Sam Perkins. They used to come in the summertime, hey, hello. But once I got drafted and started playing in the NBA, I mean, guys automatically reached out, Antoine, if you need anything, I got you. Here's my number. All the coaches, Coach Carl, you know, Larry Brown, all of those guys. The Carolina Way is something that uh, is from one man. I mean, you look at what Coach Williams is, is doing now. He learned everything from Coach Smith. Of course, he's kind of put his own coaching twist to it. But we have all learned the values of not only basketball, but the values of just life. Yeah, I can recall Coach Smith, every player that got married, the first time he was at the wedding and, and so forth. And <laughs> after we left, I mean, he'll tell you, wait, tell you, man. No, I'll come, come to your no, first wedding, but after he, that, I'm done. Yeah. Hey, that's a true, that's a true statement. <laughs> yeah, he come to all the first weddings. But, and we uh, all laughed. Like, what? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. It makes, it makes right. sense. Everything makes it's sense it. now. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's man, a legend just, for that. Just, you know, what he instilled with us about just life and family, to me, that's the Carolina way. You know, we learned man. it from one of the greatest, not only, I don't even look at him as a coach. I look at him as a, a human being and a father figure. And it's funny now, Corey, because... What I try to instill into my kids now, I have five of them, you know, Kai, of course, uh, all the cousins and stuff. A lot of the things I learned that freshman year, yeah. the sayings, the, the way I view life is all because of, we all have strong parents, grandparents who we learn a lot from yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the things that I learned from Coach Smith still to this day, I use in my everyday life. And to me, that's the Carolina way. He taught us so much. I can recall the when he recruited me, he was, he told my parents, I can't promise you that he would make it to the NBA or he would become this basketball phenom, but I can't promise you he's going to leave his university a better man than what he did when he came into the university. And also he's going to get an education. And those are the values that if my sons are going to a university or they're going to a coach, I want to hear the coach say those things. Right. And still to this day, I'm using those same scenes. And uh, I want to tie into we hear the word brotherhood thrown around. And that was my uh, next question. So, yeah, take that because you, you hear the brotherhood. You hear it thrown around. And, I mean, I guess there's different levels to it. And, you know, it, obviously, the I think the meaning, the definition, if you would, would changes with the guard and the time. But that – it, it meant the brotherhood meant to it. It was like an unwritten rule. It wasn't something like, oh, this is what we're going to do and this is what you had to do. It was understood. You learned that by rote. As you, at, once you walked in and you started to learn the lay of the land and you learned to look out for your brother, you learned to look out for, I mean, we had, like you said, we had guys coming back, making sure we were good. Whatever that meant. You know, I remember riding around, <laughs> y'all go left, I said, I remember riding around with Rashid. Uh, around Chapel Hill, uh, you know. And Why you I, just, so hard, I know. I'm trying to figure out. Well, I'm trying to read between the lines. That you no, know, they're, they're, no, they're about they're about a hundred people who just laughed at that, and everybody yeah. didn't get that. It's only a right, hundred. It's only a hundred. It's, it's no. I mean, no real lines to read. I'm saying, but it was just like, hey, man, you good? You know. And he just just breaking it down. Obviously, from his experience, um, his two year experience, um, just making sure we're good. Just whatever we needed, like you said, and, and Coach Smith instilled that and that was instilled and taught to to she when he got there from the guys before him. And like I said, some of the like Twan said, some of the things that he's taught us, some of the sayings, the values, uh the re- I started to understand the reason for the word of the day. Cause I remember I, I remember yep. sometimes we sit in the locker room and, and you, you see this little yeah, you're studying this little man. What are we studying this thing for, man? Like it just <laughs> you, you started understanding the values of it and it started opening our eyes and ears to life itself and the importance of in an education and not just being one dimensional. And, and and that was something my mom always talked about, but that's why she was so impressed when Coach Smith walked into our house because of the exact same thing Antoine yeah. said. He's like, he's a great athlete, but I can't guarantee you that. I know people. I'll try my best, but he's going to leave this university a better person, a better man with an education. Now, so that's why my education was so important even during uh, the, one of the biggest games of my career. It was education first. I was taught to be a student athlete, not an athlete student. 
the thing that stands out too, guys, is, and Vince, you can attest to this, anytime we had a game, I can recall guys like Doc Rivers or like Paul Pierce and those guys, like, oh, the little Carolina guys again. Oh, I mean, yeah, those yeah. guys knew that it wasn't for show or we was just saying yeah. this. And that's the exact word you hear. The that we had and how much we really cared for one another and how much mm-hmm. we went out, out of our way. And those are the things that you knew it was something special because others saw it as well. They saw the, the, the way we interact with each other. They saw the way we cared about one another and always right. try to lift each other up. And have let me, let me ask a question now. Wait, let me, even let me, with let the let generational gap. Oh, that's that true, was a yeah. such thing. Because yeah. it was like he said, Sam Perkins is coming up to us and you know the gap. And we're doing the same for guys who are coming in. So it was understood. I supposed to look out for the young guys because of you, you know. And y'all are, are y'all are old heads now. Y'all are the old heads now, yeah. right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let me you ask you a specific up there too, you, 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 know. you about to become an old head real soon. So but don't remind me, man. Don't remind <laughs> me. Hey, we one of the things that we all have in common. Is not just the fact that I'm a two-time lifetime fitness uh, all-star <laughs> uh, MVP, right? I, I am a perennial all-star and MVP. I know two-time MVP, perennial all-star. Oh, so my. I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm Antoine. No, he's seeing me at the gym. I'm buckets. <laughs> I, I, I'm like Vinny Johnson in his prime. When I walk on, oh. it's, it's different. <laughs> but one of the things that we all have in common, though, is that we're fathers. I want to. I want mm-hmm. as you guys are. I mean, it's the most difficult thing I've ever tried to, you know, navigate in my life. I mean, talk to me about what it is and how you guys communicate, even throughout this brotherhood of North Carolina, what it means to be a black father. If if I may start, I want to start by saying um, you go through, just think of the toughest game you ever played. I'm talking to you, Bakari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, no, we got yeah. we got some boys at Lifetime that, that the truth. So yeah, I get what you're <laughs> right. saying. Yeah, yeah. So just think right. of your tougher game and decisions you have to make on the spot. And how you felt like, man, I'm, I found a way. I find myself thinking sometimes, like, I'm now in the toughest situation of my life as far as decision-making for myself as a black man and decision-making for my kids, son and daughter, because it, <laughs> it's not discriminating anymore. <laughs> it, right, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It, so it's like I have – I don't have a fear, but I have a concern even when I walk down to check my mailbox. Uh, I make sure I have my phone. I make sure I have my ID. And it's an uncomfortable feeling. And it's that question. I had a comment. I have a, excuse me. I had a conversation with my daughter. We were in CVS one day. And because of all of the quote unquote Karen stuff going on, it's made me a little paranoid yeah. and concerned. So I, I told Kai, I was like, hey, wherever in the situation, you make sure, you know, we handle this the right way. And it's unfortunate now that we had to say, you make sure you film it. Exactly. <laughs> you make sure you film it. And just hearing myself say that is just so awkward, but you make sure you film it and then we'll handle the situation accordingly. And she kind of laughed at first and I was like, no, seriously. She's like, no, I know, I know. And, and it's those type of conversations that we've talked. And, you know, and I know at my younger kids, when we start to get into these situations and talk, you know, uh, Ricardo, we talked briefly about one of the best th- decisions I've made as a father is if I'm ever in the area close to a situation, a site like, uh, where Rayshard Brooks, yeah, Rayshard sure. Brooks was, was murdered. I, I want to take my kids there and just be there, be on the scene, witness it uh, in its at its worst. And we got the chance to do that, and it made me feel great because for her to see the history and and and, and see what's changing her generation and the world right now, yep. like that that building and and you know George Floyd and like the laundry list of young black people uh, being murdered for for just senselessly and and it's unfortunate. And it's one thing, yes, we're using our voice and we want to use our voice for the, for the young people out there. But it's like, how do you begin that conversation for your kids and get them started? And I know, Twan, you have a, a older, a few older kids as well. So I, can, I can't imagine your conversation for the older kids. I mean, you can have the basics for our younger kids in, in our 15-year-old, if you would. But now we're talking about our college kids now who are driving and have you know can go as they please anywhere they want. That's like a whole nother situation, and it's not us that's out there. Like, okay, if it's me, I'm going to handle it like this. It's the worries now of our right. that anxiety older kid. Yeah, that anxiety. You know. Twan, what how, what do you, what do you think? I mean, because you know, 
your father and mother, I mean, they are two of the dopest individuals I've ever met in my life. I mean, they are, yes. they are, you know, honest. Your father ain't never lied to me about nothing <laughs> a day before in his life. Yeah. It, he's, as, he's as honest as the day is long. And I think that from knowing both of you guys, the biggest compliment I can give you is not having all those 50-point games in Golden State, Tuan, is not, you know, being amazing and, and having a year that's surreal and, and changing you, you changed an entire country's perspective of basketball events. But mm-hmm. the biggest compliment I can give both of you guys is the way that you're raising children. And that yeah, is, thanks. that's what it is. So Tuan, so talk to me about what that means to be a black father today. Um, we all, like I said, we all are, are fathers. And the most important thing we preach to our kids is education. You know, every household from the three of us, everybody's required to like, you know, get close to straight A's, go to college and live your life. The thing that has really struck on the court, I recall the first time I got pulled over by the cops and I got draw- guns drawn on me. It was a uh, junior year in high school. And I remember having that conversation with my dad. And after the fact, my dad was kind of taken back and he was like, this was one of the reasons why we moved from Louisiana to North Carolina to Charlotte. It's because it was to better suit our kids and give them every opportunity possible. So he literally sat there and said, I failed you as, as a father because I felt like something like this would never have happened to mm-hmm. And I recall, especially with, with my kids, you know, it's strange to like sit in the car with your kids and sit there and explain to them, if you get pulled over, Put all your windows down, mm-hmm. turn the music down, turn the light, put your hands on the steering wheel. To my Can't kids, the, to my boys that was like eight and 12. Mm-hmm. It's like, those are the things that you have to do. And the one thing that I love to death, I have a daughter. She's going to be a rising junior in college. And Bakara, this generation is, I mean, they are out there on the forefront. They are speaking their mind. They are making a difference. And I just like to sit down and talk to them. I just want to like pick her brain because she is so much courageous than I am. She speaks her mind. Because sometimes when we was coming up, a lot of things was uncomfortable with us as far as talking to the media about certain situation and racism. And now uh, it's much needed. But to see where this generation is, and all of a sudden, Vince, you can attest to this, Kai and Catherine are talking about getting a driving license. Yeah. And even though they are, are, are black women, strong black women, I can recall when I used to come back home from college and I used to stay out three, whatever. And I used to always come home and my dad used to be like, you know, sleep on the couch. And I'm like, dude, you got all these rooms in here. What are you sleep on the couch for? And I never understood it until now. You know, <laughs> when my daughter leaves the house, I can't sleep until I know that she's sound and in her bed. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that I got one that's driving and in college. I got four more that I have to worry about. And I can't imagine what we put them through and now going forward. The most important thing to me is to continue to educate myself and most importantly to have those difficult conversations with a 10-year-old who don't quite know why, you know, this man was on his neck for eight minutes and 40-some seconds. Like, you have to have those tough conversations at an early age. And that's pretty much where this household is at. And going forward, we have dinner time used to be, you know, everybody just discussing how the day went on the iPhones. But now we actually have tough topics. We talk about life. We talk about the things that they're experiencing. And, I mean, these kids are, are living a fast life, a lot more faster than what we did when we was coming up. But... It's very scary, Bakari, because I tell people I never worked a day in my life. I mean, I love the game of basketball. If I would have made it to the league and not, I'd still be playing the game. And I had no worries in the world. Now, this is, like Ben said, the toughest job I have is to make sure that I educate my kids and I give them Man. all the tools to survive. And, you know, you would think, like I said, you think by now that we would be at a place where everybody is on, a, you know, Everybody's equal. We all love each other. But like hatred is just coming out and they're not trying to hide it whatsoever. So let me let me ask you this. I mean, you brought up a good point. I mean, talk to me about the fact that young players now finally are, you know, they're they're realizing their power 
not just in the NBA, but college athletes as well. Did I mean back when you you guys played for it was Carolina Blue. I mean, everybody knew it. But let me ask you before we get to that very serious question, is the 97-98 team with y'all, is that the best team to never win a national championship? Man. Absolutely. Who was I, I was talking to uh, somebody the other day. And, y'all was oh, so sister, y'all was so damn good, boy. Yeah. Man. What had t- talk to so, don't, don't, don't. Nah, right, go there. Cause I know that I know you go who it was Vince's fault, wasn't it, Twan? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think the, the most disappointing thing for us is to deal with the disappointments of our sophomore year. And because when I say we were so focused, Golly. when I say after practice, we'll go home, do our schoolwork, come back two or three o'clock mm-hmm. and we weren't partying. We was it was all about basketball because we knew that. We had the talent, we had a ch- and we had a chance—a legitimate chance. A chance. It, yeah, it wasn't like that a dream. Year like, was up and down. That's the year that Coach Smith retired at the yes. beginning of the season. Oh yeah, and we all was all in because we loved and respected Coach Guthridge, and uh, we knew what Coach Smith has had done as well, and we wanted to do it for both of those guys. But just dealing with the disappointments of the year before, and knowing what to expect, and knowing that no one can stop us. And like I tell people today, man, four or five bad minutes with, with a couple That's of 17 and 18 year old would dictate everything. Don't Who beat y'all that year? Utah. Utah. I know. Was like, does Keith Van Horn even on that team? No. No. It was uh, Andre Miller. I know that, but still, that don't. I mean, that don't make it better. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. It's, it's not like you was about to say something crazy. I'm no, like, I nah, wasn't gonna say no, no, no. I, I just and when, and when you talk to the former Tar Heels, they always say, "Man, y'all had that team, man. Y'all, y'all had that that team that never." Because I say before. that y'all team were better than the Jordan team that came back after they after he mm-hmm. won the national championship. Because everybody says that team was really good. Yeah, Jordan mm-hmm. was special, etc. He finally came into his own. But I I think that that 97, 98 team. Uh, was one of the best teams. I have no regrets basketball. in life. Uh, right, all the ups and downs, all the disappointment. But that's the only regret I have. I can go back and do one thing over. It would be that game because. Well, like do what in that game though? What would you do differently though? Um, Not pass as much. I mean, it's, it's, I'll pass it's the ball to so... Vince Carter uh, a lot more than than what I did. <laughs> he was on it that game, wasn't he? He was on. I was I mean, he, he was I had on a good night. It was just the the, the whole part of Bakari. You gotta think. I mean, this is the final four. This is what you guys are like from day one. It's, it's, it's preaching to our head. The final four mm-hmm. winning national championship. So the year before we didn't make it. We you know we was like playing too fast. We was kind of like just nervous. And that and that junior especially year, the second half of that le- yeah. of, this, of our sophomore year. Yeah, the first half we were rolling, and I think yeah. we got comfortable. Yeah, and we felt like okay. We figured this out, and we we could beat. And, and Mike Bibby went crazy. <laughs> Mike Bibby went ape shit. Yeah. Have y'all seen Mike recently? Mike Mike yes. looks Mike swole. Bibby. I don't. I mean, Mike. No, it's, it's no look swole. He <laughs> is. I don't know if he's wearing medium t shirts or what. Nah, but the boy, nope. the boy, that guy, he, he, he eating weeds. Uh, eating weeds now. Mike Bibby and Miles Simon. Man, y'all y'all had them boys looking like the best backcourt that ever played basketball. Hey man, that that particular that particular weekend they were. Because they, they went off yes, and they were. gave Minnesota the business as well, too. So, And then they beat Kentucky in the final. No, they beat Minnesota, I thought. Or was it Kentucky? It was Kentucky, Kentucky yeah. in the final. Kentucky, yeah. uh, that's right. Kentucky won it the, the next year. So, okay. I just I, I had to make sure I wasn't going crazy and thinking that that 97-98 team was the best team to never win a championship. I just wanted yeah. to make sure that everybody agrees with that. So, before we get to player activism, Vince... You are third in all-time games played, 1,541. You're sixth in all-time three-pointers. I did not know this. You're sixth <laughs> in all-time three-pointers. You had to shoot a lot of them to make this many, but 2,290. And you are a top 20 all-time scorer. You're the only player who in the NBA whose career spans four decades. And you're a future Hall of Famer. What's your take on things like the Hall of Fame? Do you care? Do you care when you get in? Like, let, let's say, let's say Vince Carter is not a first ballot Hall of Famer, which I think is patently absurd. But let's say he's not. What, what do you? How do you feel about that? I, I, honestly, I'll, I'll be okay. I'll work it, I'm working backwards. Okay. <laughs> I'm, uh, the big picture is I'll be okay because yeah, it'll be painful because it's a dream of all of ours is to win a championship and and to be in the be a Hall of Famer if you have that opportunity. So. You know, you you hear it, and I think it'll be disappointing 
initially is because of you know my friends, family, and those otherwise who feel who felt like it should have happened and it didn't. So I think that initial thing would kill me more than anything. But uh, you know, I, I'm 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 still would remain positive. Man, uh, what, did, what did he just say, Antoine? That man just used a bunch of words. I'm not sure what he just, just said. He said he'd be hurt, right? You'd be hurt, I did. I said <laughs> okay. I'd be hurt initially. Yeah, he tried to get a political answer to the car. Like, All right, I'll, I'll break That would be yeah. fucked up. You can say it. That's No, listen. <laughs> initially, initially, uh, it, I'll be upset and, and hurt, but at the same time, you know, I, I know, you know, there's plenty of opportunity, but, you know, I mean, you, Not you with know. those numbers, baby. It's first time. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve you deserve a first we going we going hey we going yeah. rap I'm going to start a change.org petition if you not first ballot man I'm going to get on CNN and I'll, I'm I just going whatever the question asks on CNN I'm going to say Vince Carter first ballot hall of fame <laughs> and then answer the question and then answer the question oh, but no I, like I said you 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 hear people talk about it and I've always you know just like like you know I I was taught you know it's just I'm aware of it uh I'm just a big picture guy when it gets here I'll be ecstatic. Obviously, if the opportunity doesn't happen initially, it's kind of disappointing. And uh, hey, man, I know you pretty well. You'll never hear you, me. You, 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 well, you know I would. You would. Not you know me, bro. You know I you won't say like, that. Like you know, draw attention to yourself. But come on, man. You, <laughs> what about it? Uh, Thank you. You know what, man? If it'd be nice, if it happens, I'll be mad. Yeah, he gonna have snot bubbles coming out his <laughs> nose when he got to put the jacket on. They're going to have to redo oh, the bus no. oh, two times. Oh, for right, no. When it happens, it's different. <laughs> if I ha- hey, if that, if that and when that day happens, look here, man. You deserve it, you man. You're going to wipe so, smile hey, but, So I, I know we got to go, but I got a couple more questions. Got I, time. Just, I got time. You, I, you know, Antoine might have to go to use his iPad <laughs> later on. So I got a couple more couple more questions. What Was retirement, was it like, you? because you, you just announced recently, but was there a chance you were coming back for year 23? No, because I, I announced that I was retiring at the beginning of the year. You, you did that two years ago, hey, too, You also no, did. No, I was no, going to hey, thank Twan, you. Don't do that. Twan, you don't cannot do that, take my questions, do Twan. You don't can't. Don't do that. Don't <laughs> do that. We playing golf last year. He can't even bend over to read a put. Oh, my knees. They hurt. They hurt. Yeah. And I look, and he's doing the finals, and he in a suit doing the 360. I'm like, man, this man coming back. He tripping. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. That man said it like two years. I'm done. I'm done. But look, so I'll tell you how I'll tell you how 20 year 22 happened. So Twan, some some of what you said is somewhat all of it is true. Because <laughs> so so look, y'all and, and and I say family, friends, and otherwise talked me into year 22 for the simple fact of I was like okay this is cool I'm done it was like man if you're gonna play 21 you might as well break the record at 22 so I was somewhat convinced that it made sense why the Hawks with 22 why not go it was just a great opportunity I just didn't want to change people people would be like if you go play 22 years in year 22 why not play for the Raptors the Bucks the it's still opportunity the Warriors because they they, the Warriors sitting where we sitting right now but it's just you didn't know that at the beginning of the year You, that's true. Sort of. <laughs> you kind of uh, Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was just, your, it was, your heart was still in it, though, because you can tell, man. Like, when most people, they get to that stage, you know what? I don't know yeah. if I can do training camp. I don't know if I can do, mm-hmm. like, traveling. You can just tell, like, you still had that, like, you know, okay, I can do this for another year. And, of course, like, mm-hmm. you know, physical, like, that wasn't a, a, a question at all. But, like, mentally, Not you can just tell, like, it was a challenge I can play 22 years and break the record. And, and he can still hoop, too, because that's the thing. Like he, it wasn't like he was just going to sit on the bench well, and not do turned, that. Right, he they turned, needed him acting on the court. Boy, that, that man turned into, uh, he turned into uh, Cal Corver real quick. <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> Make him drive. Make him but, drive. Make him drive. Hey, make him drive. Man, that's crazy. I was like, oh, y'all going to make you drive? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, Antoine, what's your advice to Vince right now? Because that, that, that's where I was leading with this question. So, well, now- see, that's what I was about to say. I was going through it, and I was like, I'm going to play, and when I'm done, and, and once I was done, for, for me, it's just because of COVID and how everything happened, I had a game plan of reaching out to some of those players that I respected, that I knew played a very long time, like the Kobe's of the world, like the Dirks, the uh, like Twan, you know, guys who played long, had long careers who I, I talked to on a regular. And because I, I, let me say this, I had a rough time in the beginning of year 22 saying the word retirement. I, I, I just couldn't. Uh, it just, because I wasn't, 
I announced it, but I still wasn't sure. It's like you do something for Vince, so you long. Do, you do realize, though, Vince, they even let you broadcast some games during the middle of the yeah. season. That means that yeah. you're on your way out. <laughs> no, but yeah, they let me. They say, hey, if you want to, go for it. Yeah, I'll do a few games. But didn't he call you off the off? Didn't he try to put hey, you in the He's game? like, I need you to check in. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. But no, so I, I just, you know, so I, you know, I got the opportunity to talk to Cole, you know, before he, he passed. And that was one of the last things we talked about. And he, Opened my eyes and 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 my heart to accepting and preparing myself for retirement and being able to say that word and we were going to have a conversation a further conversation about that uh, before his passing. So now that we're here, yeah, Twan, you can answer that question now. No, I'm just saying, like, even though even though we've talked about it, we've talked about before. So you know, you know what I do now. So like, so many teams would benefit. From him being a part, just this is just the locker room alone. This is just the wisdom of knowing what it takes to prepare yourself. The duration of eighty-two games. This guy's done it more than anybody has ever done it. But the most important aspect of it, if and when he's in the game, he's very productive. I've this the last two years. I probably saw about what ten to fifteen games, right? And it's amazing, like, the young guys gravitate and are watching his every move, and, and he's directing them to go here and do this and do that. That is so much needed throughout the whole NBA mm-hmm. from top to bottom. You don't have too many guys. You don't have uh, the Garnets, the, 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 you know, the Kobe's and, and the, the Carters. I mean, it's a missing piece, and so many teams are, like, searching for that one individual who can still play, still be productive. The way the game is being played, too, it's not like, you know, when we first got in the league, every time we, you know, we crossed the paint, we got chucked, and we, you know, the physicality of the game. But now, it's so open. And you put this guy on, on, on the perimeter, and you got Trey Young or somebody beating somebody down, and they leave him, he can knock down a jump shot, but he can also create a shot for himself and get to the basket. So, I still don't believe he's done. He oh, said he announced it, but believe it. We, we will see. <laughs> I saw him hey, walking hey. around the house the other day. He he done. Hey, I'm, I'm in <laughs> golf he mode. He did that two years ago. We couldn't have <laughs> been over to read the play. I'm in golf mode. Oh. All right, man, there's no way you can play. But I guarantee you, you give him a ball right now, he can do a, a windmill between the legs. I guarantee you that. I don't know about between the legs, but I could probably win. <laughs> Not between the legs. So can you, you hey, Twan, hey, could you, Twan, honest question, could you still play today? Uh, Not today, it, no. If I gave you three months, two months to get in shape, could you play today? Oh, I can I can be in playing shape, but my heart and just mentally, I'm I'm done and checked out. So that's I awesome. still play with the kids. Hey, but but Carl, let me ask you your question. So you you asked why the Hawks, and what Tuan said is you know basically the answer. Uh, for so long, I wasn't at the point where I can go to a team and just sit on the end of the bench and just receive a ring if we won. Yeah. I felt like I still could contribute to the game and I had something to offer. And that's what I wanted as a player. And and I know a lot of people are like, oh man, why didn't you just go to, you know, and of course the laundry list of teams, like kind of like you named to go here. And it's like, okay, some of the teams I talked to, it's like, yeah, you know, we'd love to have you for your, like you said, the locker room and that, but we can't guarantee you to play. Well, Atlanta, you know, and, and a couple other teams, like, hey, you know, we we need you, we want you to play, you know, and and be the mentor that you are. So I wanted to play. And I think walking out of the game, yeah, I think walking out of the game, away from the game, excuse me, made me feel better if I'm playing the game and say, I okay, I could go. Instead of, imagine my last year and I played <laughs> five games. Oh, you know, I mean, and it happens, don't get me wrong, but you I didn't think. You would have looked like Mateen Cleaves down there in your warm-ups. Man, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I didn't think what that I was, I don't know, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly didn't think I was ready. I was at that point. Now they called me in two, three years and like, hey, we'd like to pay you a couple couple million to to sit here and mentor, you know, whatever, whatever. That's a different story. But at that point, till March eleventh, I was I felt that I was able to I could still contribute to the game and, and get stuff done on the court. So, so do you still believe you can contribute to the game? Nice try. Yes. Just, I exactly. Do. I do. All right. Yes. So it's but, like that's, that's what I'm saying. So why now? No, like, no, nah, nah, like, it was now. It's now. No, no, it's time. 
Right. It's time. So, Twan, you remember I asked? Watch this. Watch this, Makari. You remember I asked you this question? When did you know? Oh, I knew that. Right. When did you know? And I asked you. I asked D Wade, and I asked Dirk. When did you know? Like you know, yeah. that was going to be it. That was your final season. And it's kind of like I knew because I was like, it's time. And I think the March 11th with the the, the pandemic and, and, and the, with the virus hitting helped me. Yeah understand that like I still feel like I could play I still feel like I could contribute but some of the politics of the game I've said this to you before the, some of the politics of the game the way the games change and the mentality and, me. and how things work now is a little different than yeah. how it was before you know so and that's just it's tough to deal with these days yeah. so okay. I got I got one more question I'm, I'm trying to get uh, somebody else to help me with my last question here my personal question to you though is when we're talking about the movement, Tuan, you're in the first, you're in the front office. Vince, you're a player. Talk to me about these players who are finding their voice now, because it doesn't matter if you are, you know, LeBron James or you're the 16th man. Everybody is speaking up now. I mean, this is a movement that we haven't seen before. So what are you telling young players? What are you telling players today? What In the front office, what are you telling, you know, ownership, et cetera, GMs about how we should... Uh, lift up players and do this in this moment. I, I'm going to say this real quick and then you can go back to Twan because I think, I, I hope you guys agree with me on this. So it's easy for the stars of stars and the names, the household names to to use their voice and platform. I think the unique and unbelievable thing about what's going on now, it's players that maybe the average or everyday fan does not know, not a household name, and they're using their voice and their platform. Right. And mm-hmm. I think it hits just as hard. It's easy for our stars of stars to 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 speak out. And I think the pressure is on them to speak out uh sometimes because of their name. Oh, you such such you supposed to say something. And and but I like the fact that it's not only like like I said, LeBron James or any of these stars today, Kyrie, so on and so forth, but we're talking about guys that obviously we know because we play around, but the everyday fan would not recognize their name and or face and they're using their voice and they're there for good for some of these uh some of their families who come from these small towns like in south carolina or whatever in the world who come on, man. don't get come on man. Pl- dang, my bad up. i forgot yeah small town. who don't have yeah you know who don't have a <laughs> platform but they're speaking up for those people and i think that's a great thing go ahead Twan. I, I i get more on the organizational side i've been in a, uh dealing with the front office for the last four plus years and the one change that you see is that everyone across the board from the owners to GMs to secretaries, everybody feels comfortable having this conversation. We had one of the guys who works in the front office and he we had a, a big call with all the people in the front office and he was like, it kind of opened my eyes because I used to go home for Thanksgiving and I used to dread it. And he's like, I used to dread it because I had that, that great uh, granddad who used to speak his mind. And to be honest, in the past, I always said, you know what, that's just granddad, it'll be okay. But now I know I have to stand up and tell my granddad, no matter how old he is, you can't say that. That would offend so many people in this world. And mm. to have a conversation with, not only just my black closest friends, but my white closest friends, and just be honest. And a lot of, no matter black or white, we've always had these conversations and so forth. And you guys know I do the camp every year. And the thing that really stood out, I remember it was last year, and we had the police department come and talk to the kids. And I remember the police chief said, how many of you guys are scared of the police officers when you see them come in your neighborhood? When I say about 70% mm-hmm. of the campers raised their hands because that's all they know. And every time they see police officers, it was, you know, arresting somebody or, you know, putting their hands on them. And just never had that conversation with a white police officer. And he was like, you know, not all of us are, are bad. I have a black son and kind of opened his eyes. But uh, to get back on topic, it's been great. But Carl, we talked to um, Chris. His mom was one of the um, ones that got shot up in the church a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. And we did a Zoom call with him uh, last week. 
and to hear his story, man, to like, you know, get that phone call. He was going to baseball and Singleton. they told him to yeah, get yeah, there. Yeah. It's just, it's just unbelievable to, to now, not that it's forced and we have to talk about these things, but not only that the blacks and the whites can have a conversation and be real with each other and, and, and just get it all out in the open without being reluctant to speak your mind and, and, and not just, just telling your truth. So it's been good on the organization side. And like I said, the players, man, not just, you know, the major sports, football and basketball, but we're talking about soccer. We're talking about these college NASCAR. kids who saying, I'm not going to play NASCAR. for this. Yeah. NASCAR, who who had on their bingo card that NASCAR would be more proactive than the NFL? Like, yep. nobody had that on their bingo card. <laughs> Never. Yeah. Yep. My last question for you guys, man, because y'all have been very generous. I got questions about one and done and the last dance and all of these things. I hate the fact I, – I hate the one and done rule. I mean, I, I just do. I just, I just think that if you can play, you know, let kids do what they wish. But my last question to you guys is about Breonna Taylor because one of the things we all have in common is we have daughters. And so – you know, how do we continue to lift up her voice? What are some of the things you want your daughters to know? What are some of the things you want players to say about, especially, um, it's three guys on the Bakari Sellers podcast right now. And one of the things we have to do is lend our voice and our platform to uplifting black women, especially for our daughters. So I just wanted to throw that out there to you guys and how you uplift your black daughters, especially. Vince, you got two. Tuan, you got three. Three. Yeah. Yep. Three. Uh, so, um, how do you how do you do that? I, I think number one for me is to always let her know that them know that I'm in their corner, good and bad, and I'm gonna do my best to lead you down the path that is the safest, <laughs> uh, whatever that, however that may entail, uh, whatever that may entail, and however I can do so, and I always want them to know. When she stands up for herself, when she's in a situation, never, ever hesitate uh, to lean on, you, you know, your parents and, and your, your dad. And, you know, I just literally had this conversation with her and just telling her how uh, whatever she chooses to do in her in this world, she has my support and never feel hesitant about speaking your mind, asking for help. Mm-hmm looking for support, uh, needing to hear how intelligent, wonderful, beautiful black young lady that you are. And I, I feel like with, you know, the world today and how we talk to each other, um, sometimes it's needed and sometimes you need reassurance. And as, as a young black woman in today's world and, and you know, going to the schools that our kids go to, um, like you said, uh, Tuan, about what AJ hearing the slurs, I can I can only imagine for the young female what they endure as at, at this age, especially at that yeah. teen age, where it's like you know we tend to be cruel and 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 the things we say. So I, I just I lend my support, and I, I I I like the fact when I see when a young black woman and or child knows what she wants, and that's because of the father figures in their life stepping up, showing them this is what you should want for yourself and this is how you want to be treated. So I um, you know, I salute you also, Bakari, for what you do and what you've done with her and supporting her in the times that obviously, you know, uh I'm not there and you on an everyday basis. So I appreciate you for that. And I I I think she has a um unbelievable situation. Because she has two black men that she can fall back on for support that is willing to do, you know, whatever it takes to to ha- help her succeed and be, become successful, you know, black woman, it, whatever, however she wants to do it. So yeah, I, I always tell people, that. no, no, no doubt. I, I appreciate that. I always tell people that there's no doubt in my mind. Kai has an amazing father. His name is Vince Carter. I'm a bonus dad, and I get a chance to play a role um, here. And I think that. You know, like just like on every team, everybody has a role. We pass the ball mm-hmm. to Vince when he's mm-hmm. scoring, and when if Vince has an off day, if he ain't hitting, then I'm there to rebound and kick it back out. So we we make this thing work. Antoine, right. with three black girls who, I mean, 
you know, how, how, what, do, what do you, what's your thoughts? You have Brianna Taylor, Sandra Bland, you have all of these yeah. things going on. You, yeah, Catherine has one of the best personalities that I've ever <laughs> been around in my entire life. She could be a United States Senator if she want to. Man. I mean, and your oldest daughter, just chilling with her the other day, I'm like, man, she she ready. I mean, she getting yep. that that North Carolina education. She is, she's ready to go. So what do you, what do you tell your daughters? I, I let them know that they have a voice. They need to be heard. To be honest, not only with your inner circle, your family, but to the world. That's the one thing. All three of my daughters, they speak from the heart. They have God first and foremost. They have a support group, a support system. And I'd be honest with them as much as possible, Bakari. I mean, between dealing with being disrespected as a female, now they're sex trafficking our black women. Mm. I mean, between the pressures of everyday life, you know how it is, private school. I mean, they, they're uh, exposed to a lot more things a lot quicker than the norm. But also try to be and bring them down to reality as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Everybody does, does not get the opportunity to live in the type of house that you have and, and have all these benefits and still let them know that a lot of people in this world don't care about that. What you said. But you are black, you are beautiful, I'm your mm-hmm. father, you have uncles, cousins that will always be there for you. And that I'm so proud and I respect everything that they do. And I pray every night, man, because my kids just make life so enjoyable. But when I sit there and look at my daughters and I see the passion that they have, the joy that they bring to this world, it gives me all the gratification. But you have those difficult conversations with Mm -hmm. them about what has happened to our beautiful black women. And... If you, like, my daughter is, I mean, it's it's unbelievable, Alexis. We have these conversations because she's sitting there like that. I want to put something together because a lot of my friends are dealing with sexual assault. And a lot of them are not speaking up. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, Alexis, I hope if you have experienced it, you will sit here and and talk to me about that because... It kind of threw me off. I'm like, why don't they tell like their parents or somebody? Mm-hmm. But and she broke it down to me that I couldn't understand. At first, I didn't understand it, but now I do because, you know, one guy was a, a football star, and the girl didn't believe that she would have told it. It went to court, and she didn't want. There's so many things that they have to go through that we kind of take for granted, and I applaud them for educating me and allowing me to see what's really out there because sometimes I might not you know, um, See it think like that. that this could happen to my daughter or this could happen to my, you know, to her friends at this age, but it is. So I commend them for like educating me, but I do anything and everything possible to uplift them, to give them a voice and to tell them I love them. And like I said, I pray night in and night out, man. It's, it's scary, not only for us, man, to deal with what's going on in this world, but like I said, Bakar, you know, you got a son and a daughter now. Life changes, man. Vince, Different, man. You got mm-hmm. to, this is, mm-hmm. now you know what your parents, you know, went through yeah, in man. life. And you just thought by now it'd be a lot more easier, but. Um, and them, teenage, them teenage years are different. Yeah, yeah, it's different now. And they, yeah. the stuff we experienced as teenagers, they experienced it a little younger now. So that's it's just, <laughs> it's a crazy world. But, <laughs> man, well, know. fellas, man, I just want to say thank y'all, man. I, I we, could, we could probably chat for. And I ain't even send y'all. You I, next time for, the, for next year, I'm gonna send y'all a bottle of Remy White or, or some Hennessy, so we could just chill and, and chat. But go. I just, I just want to say thank y'all for coming on my podcast, man, the Bakari Sellers podcast. If you ever need me for anything, I'm really easy to find. I know that Twan's a better golfer than you right now, Vince. Because stop it, Twan ain't got nothing but time. Hey, so do I. Retire Vince right now. <laughs> Retire Vince is pretty good right now, boy. I'm pretty good right now. Whenever y'all want to get together, man, let me know, man. Thank y'all so much for hey, coming wait, on, Hey, wait, do you golf? Yeah, he getting there. I'm Tiger in the woods. But nah, uh, <laughs> I just had I just had uh, my first four holes. I had three natural, on one through four, Twan, I had three natural pars. Not bad. Who do we ask to attest well, I got, and no, I got, confirm? I got, no, I got people. Now, he'll keep it real with you, though, Vince. Collab. He'll keep it real. That's one thing I will say. He was talking about he, 
shooting in the hundreds. And for him to say that, I mean, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, my that's the, impressive. The, yeah, the best I've ever point. done, I, the best I've ever shot was an eighty-eight. But right now, I'm like, I'm a consistent, you know, one hundred ninety-nine, and I could probably on a good day probably get you about a ninety-one, ninety-two. That's some, that's, but he, that's he, not he bad. To the point, he knowing that in order to change that, you gotta get out there as much you as you gotta possible. play. Car, how many times you see me when you out there eating and stuff? Man, all the time. Man, he just yeah. be cruising. He don't be. He don't pay attention. He just be cruising. And I got to get my clubs longer too. I got to talk to y'all about that because I got these clubs yeah. meant for for point guards. That's I, I need. Oh some. no, yeah, yeah, I get yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's not gonna work. And yeah. and hey, because the longer you play with those, the, the worse you're you gonna. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yes, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. well, yeah. thank y'all, I'm, fellas. Man, kiss your babies, man. Have a good one. Thank yeah. y'all so much, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, appreciate it, Car. For sure. Well, that was my favorite episode, I, I must say. That was the best episode, I think, that I've ever done. Um, we're getting better. Getting better, certainly. Um, I've had some great guests. Shout out to Deshaun Watson. Shout out to Alan Kavan and Tiffany Cross. Shout out to Vince and Antoine. This Thursday, we have Jason Johnson. We'll be talking about the news of the day. I want to thank all of you all for supporting and rocking with me. I look forward to having so many exciting episodes of the Bukhari Sellers Podcast. Please share the word. Share this episode. Share the clips with your friends and family. Get them to download and subscribe. We out.